Good morning. Guess y'all can y'all can hear me pretty good, I guess. Good deal. This message didn't uh, didn't come to me very easy. It might not come out very easy either. Uh, I've got about seven words written down on the speech paper, and uh, I tried several times to have it more planned out because I had it pretty mapped out of my mind. Uh, but it was, uh, I'd just stare at the paper for hours and it never really got put down on paper and it never really did. So I've got about six words on this piece of paper here. So maybe if I get turned around in a circle too bad, I can look back and, and catch up to one of my three bullet points. Uh, but I was thinking, and I was just talking in general, thinking, this is just me kind of thinking out loud, this is just my opinion. Uh, Sometimes we come to church, and I think that we expect we expect the, the pastor or the preacher to reveal something to us, and if he does that, then we will act different. It's kind of, that's just my two cents, that sometimes we come to church and we're like, man, if he, man, if, if Darwin would step up his game and really preach some fire, then I would live different. And... Uh, you know, it has so very little to do with Darwin and Amen. or whoever the speaker is right. and everything to do with us. That's right. That no matter how good of a job Darwin does or any other pastor, preacher, whatever, no matter what they do or even what the Holy Spirit does, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, it's still on you. Right. You can have all the conviction in the world, but if you're not doing something, yes. if you refuse to be obedient to what God's telling you to do, then it don't do any good. And so with that in mind, and this is, this, this is coming from something just from my heart. I'm, you know, I think I'm speaking more to myself than I am to definitely anybody here. But with that in mind, let's just go to, the, go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you, God, and I pray that you just open up our eyes and our hearts, Lord. And I pray that every single person here, Lord, that we just be open and attentive to what you have to say, God, and I pray that nothing would come from me, Lord, but I pray that it would all come from you. I pray that you just speak to me and through me, Lord, and I pray that you help all of us to self-reflect, God, on things in our own lives, and I pray that you just show us what we need to do and you lead us in all things. It's not by me, but it's only by you. We give you all the praise and glory, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so that's, that's my challenge, and, and that's my prayer for everybody here today, is that we would not think about somebody else. You know, sometimes I sat through sermons and you hear somebody make a good line and you're like, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. <laughs> but uh, today I hope that every single person can just look at their own relationship with God and that God could maybe show us something, that God could maybe tell us something and that we could really self-reflect and we could really get something from this today. And, you know, change starts with us. It has to start with me. And, and I'm going to talk about, it's, it's crazy that Laura would sing a song about promises because I'm going to talk a little bit about God's promises today and uh, a little bit of the conditions that God said in the promise. But I was going through this week and yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge like fight with somebody on social media guy, but every now and then I have to. <laughs> and I saw this comment, it was on, I follow this like Christian page, this really, it's a conservative Christian page, so you would think that it would be just awesome, and it is, it's great content, but somebody had left a comment on it, 
And I just couldn't let it slide. I had to say something. And it was like a day old, too. I was like, but still. <laughs> and uh, there was a, it was a comment about some of the uh, executive orders that Joe had passed. And one of them was concerning men dressed up like girls playing women's sports, something like that. And somebody had left a comment on it. And they said, God actually rejoices every time a child finds their true identity. And I was like, and it just had, it had a bunch of likes, too. That was my problem. If nobody had liked it, I wouldn't have really cared. But it had a bunch of likes. And so I was like, you know. So I said my two cents, and they responded back, and I responded back, and we went back and forth, and we just had a blatant disagreement on what the Bible meant. And it turns out they were actually a pastor, so they knew a lot more about me than the Bible, I'm sure. Uh, but it was, uh, it was just really discouraging to me. So I was like, I mean, this person is a pastor. Like, in their bio, they're a pastor. And they, are, and they weren't just advocating for one thing. Once we really got into it, it was all of it. I mean, they were saying all those acronyms, you know, LGBTQ+, QRS, TV, ABC, WX, Y, and Z. It was the whole, it was the whole nine yards. And a lot of it was talking over my head. So I just had, I mean, I got to where I was just doing nothing but posting scripture because I did not understand what they were saying. And they were talking in third person, and it was really confusing. It was really interesting. But I said all that to say this, to say this and this is something that God's showing me in my own life. As a culture and as a people, we just have no hate for sin. And, and hate is a word that, Man, we don't even want that in our culture anymore. Like, that's a terrible word. Like, you're, you are a judgmental, terrible person, probably racist, if you ever say the word hate. Like, that's what, uh, society, that's what society tells us. Hate, they, hate, there already is so much hate. And I'm like, no, there's, there's, there's not any for sin. And when I read the Bible and you read the, some of the things that Jesus said, I mean, you're not going to slip in through heaven sinning every day. You know, God said there'd be no sin in heaven. There's going to be, there, that's, that's the big deal with heaven. That's what makes it special is there's not sin there. And it's going to be really hard for a Christian to make it to heaven sinning every single day. And I'm not trying to, I understand this is not going to be some hoop and hollering message. And I'm not trying to say that God don't have grace and God don't have mercy. God's got so much grace and so much, so much mercy. Words cannot even put it into perspective. But I've just noticed in my own life, and I, I just hear God whispering things to me, and He's like, man, you need to hate sin more. Amen. And that's my thought. That was really all I had to go on. That's all I really have wrote down is, man, we need to hate sin more. And I, and I wrote down just a couple questions. If you hate something, do you ever tolerate it? Because I think in my own life of things I truly hate, and I don't really put up with them. Not a whole lot. It might happen every now and then, but I'm upset about it. Usually leads to sin because I hate it so much. <laughs> and if we hate something, we, should, we shouldn't tolerate it. And what am I saying? I'm not saying that Christians should blow up abortion clinics or something. I'm not trying to say that at all. But I'm saying that we shouldn't put up with sin in our own lives 
And if the Christians in this country would take care of the sin in our own lives, the sin in our country would probably take care of itself. And we tolerate it. We vote for it. We support it with subscriptions. We buy from people that they have these big radical agendas and it's just it's discouraging because God said we, we're supposed to hate sin. We're supposed to hate it. And Jesus, uh, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and I, I'm, I'm coming from Matthew here, you see that Jesus is baptized, and then you say that, that Jesus is tempted by Satan, and then He stays in this small town. And then in Matthew 4.17, it says this, From there on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that, was, that's the, that would be the baseline for Jesus' ministry. That's what He went around saying to everyone. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. If it was near then, it must be really near now. Amen. You know, the Bible says in James, this life is like a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And I think so many times, and, and sometimes when I look at my own life, it's, it seems like I just tolerated sin in my own life. That, and, and sometimes as Christians, I think we just tolerate it because we think we're going to be able to take care of it down the road. But tomorrow is never promised. I mean, we, we could walk out that door and walk into eternity. And, and to the young people that's here, I mean, I used to think in high school I was a pretty good person. But I, I had these little, these little sin problems, and I always thought, man, when I get this age, I'll deal with them. When I get to this point in my life, I'll deal with them. When I'm out on my own, I'll deal with them. But what I've learned is, is if you don't deal with it when you're being convicted by it, it just grows into a bigger problem. That sin don't get any easier to deal with. That it's a constant struggle throughout your whole life. And the more that you create that habit, the more that you just tolerate sin. It just becomes a growing, growing problem. But Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And what is repentance? Repent means to turn from your sin. To turn from your sin. And it also means to change your mind. And that was Jesus' whole ministry. It's repent. It's turn from your sin. Turn from your sin and turn to me. You know, if you're turning from your sin, that means you're not looking at it anymore. Amen. If I'm looking this way, and the Bible tells me that repentance is to turn from my sin, that's acknowledging that I'm not no longer facing toward it. I'm no longer feeding it into my life, but I'm turning away from it. And I think so many times, we really want to give up a sin problem. We really, truly, genuinely do. We hate this particular problem that we have in our life, and we keep doing it, and we keep doing it. It seems like we can never get a foothold on it. It seems like we can never get above it, but we're sitting there feeding it all the time. And man, I think about, I think about these kids, I think about these, these young people, and how we just worship cell phones. We worship them. And I think about the problems I've had in my own life, and I think about how hard it is for kids now that you can access any kind of sin you want in the entire world off of a Google search. It's just in the palm of your hand. And I, you know, honestly, I don't know if parents know all that goes on on, on TikTok and Snapchat and all. I mean, well, they're just hanging out with their buddies. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The Bible says, repent. 
We have to stop feeding. If I've got a lust problem, then I've got to stop feeding the lust problem. If I've got a drinking problem, then I've got to stop driving by liquor stores. If I've got a whatever kind of sin problem, I've got to quit feeding the problem. I have to turn from my sin. I have to take my focus off of this and I have to turn it elsewhere. Amen. Well, where else do you turn? Well, if you don't turn it to Jesus, then you're just going to turn into another sin problem. Colossians 3.2 says this. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Which gets to the second half of repentance. Turn from your sin and change your mind. You see, if I, if I turn from my sin, but my mind is still back here, then eventually I'm going to turn back this way. I can turn from my sin, but if all I can think about is sin, if all I'm putting into my mind is these sinful thoughts, if I'm not taking control of my mind, then I'm just going to turn back to this sin. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And what I found in my life is that's the hardest thing to do. You know, it's easy to stop living in a sin addiction for two weeks, but it's really hard to completely kill one. That's what I found in my own life. Maybe it's different for all of y'all. But it's hard to change your mind because it's hard work. And you know, Jesus never said it'd be easy. And they throw around that word repent all through the Bible. You see Paul throwing around Peter and, and Jesus, and it was their ministry is repent, repent, repent. And you're like, man, it must be pretty easy. But it's not. It's not. It's so hard. It's so hard to change your mind. And what you got to do to change your mind is you have to have a prayer life. You have to be in the Word of God because if you're not filling your mind with this, then you're filling it with something. And if it's not this, whatever that something is, it's probably leading back to the sin addiction. It's kind of like if you've got two faucets here and you want this water to be really hot but one of them's blasting in cold water, and this one's blasting in hot water, it's just going to be lukewarm water down here. If they're blasting in at the same flow, they're both just going to be lukewarm water. But if we shut off the water on the cold water and we just get the hot water going in, then this water is going to get pretty hot. And if we're, if we're, maybe we want the cold water. Then if we shut off the hot water, then this water is going to get pretty cold pretty fast. And that's a, that's a lot of what changing our minds is, is we've got to put a filter on things that I've got to get off of my phone and get into the Word of God. And when I start doing that, and I start seeking God, and when I start getting a little bit hungry and thirsty for righteousness, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it's when I get to that place where there's a little bit urgency in my spiritual life, when I begin to hate sin, when I, when I get tired of being in this rut, when I get tired of being in that rut, and you say, you know what, I, I think God has got better plans for my life. That God, would you be a light unto my feet and show me my path that you would place my feet on a firm foundation. That I could be somebody mighty for you. That you would give me a purpose. That you would give me a path to walk in and that I would follow you and that I would carry my cross. When we get to that place, that I'm a little bit hungry, that I'm a little bit desperate, that I really hate sin, that I don't want to see it in any part of my life. I don't want to see it in my family's life. I don't want to see it in my friend's life. I don't want to see it in my community. I hate sin. When we get to that place, I really believe we'll start to see God's promises. Yes. We'll start to see them come to pass. As I begin to close, no surprise, pretty short message. AJ, if you'll come. 
I want to go to a place in the Bible that's so familiar. And a scripture that we hear, it seems like I hear it almost every day. It seems like everybody in the whole country is sharing the scripture every day. And very familiar scripture, all of us know it. Second Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. And if you read this whole chapter, this is where Solomon is he's dedicating the temple to the Lord. And it's this really upbeat chapter. The whole thing's a really upbeat chapter. And you come down here and starting in verse 11, the Bible says, When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord, the royal place, and had succeeded in carrying out all that he had mind to do to the temple of the Lord in his own place, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I've heard your prayer, and I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Then in verse 13, the Bible says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, where I command the locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from them wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive them of their sin, and heal their land. And I think so many times we look at that promise of God. He gives three promises right there. He said, I will hear from heaven, promise number one. He said, I will forgive them of their sin. Promise two. And promise number three, I will heal their land. That's three of God's promises right there in that verse. But at the very beginning of the verse, He gives a very conditional if. If my people. And He gives four commands. He said, if you do these four things, I will do these three things. If my people who are called by my, my name, will humble themselves. And you know, so much of changing our mind is I have to take my mind out of it. I have to take my ego out of it. I have to take everything that's, re, that's connected to me out of it. Because if it's any part of, of my new mind, if, if, if there's any part of me changing my mind and it's coming from me, then it's coming from the wrong place. That I have to humble myself. That I have to acknowledge, God, I need you. God, I need you in my life that I cannot do it. That I can't, I, can't, I can't conquer the sin problem on my own. That I can't do anything without you. And, and we have to humble ourselves. The second thing it says is we, we have to pray. We have to pray. I think if God's people would humble themselves and we'd get serious about praying, we'd see a lot of things change. We'd see a lot of things in the church change. The third thing says, third thing is, my people will humble themselves, they'll pray, and turn from their sin. If we would repent, if we would just turn from our sin, if we just stop looking at all the world has to offer, if we just stop looking at all the craziness and just take our eyes off of it for just, and our focus off of it for just one minute and just turn to God and just humble ourselves and pray. And the last thing he says, and seek my face. Yes. If you'd just be a little bit desperate, if you'll just humble yourself, if you'll just humble yourself before me and turn from your sin and seek my face, I promise you I will hear from heaven. I promise you I will forgive your sin and I promise you I will heal your land. Yes. Amen. 
And I think one part of this verse that we overlook so many times. God said, if my people. He didn't say if one person would. He never said if one person would, but He said if my people. It has to be a joint effort. It has to be you doing your part and me doing my part. God said, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their sin and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive them of their sin and I'll heal their land. We need God today. And we need a fear of God today. You read through Proverbs and you see, all through Proverbs you see, fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Fear the Lord, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. And you keep seeing it all the way up until chapter 8. Chapter 8 verse 13 gives a biblical definition of what it means to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. If y'all will stand. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. I just want to close a little bit different today. I just want you to take some time and examine yourself, examine your life. And I pray that God would just open up our eyes and open up our hearts and show us things that's that's in our own lives that, that we need to take care of, that maybe we need to repent of. And I pray that God would just make us desperate for Him. That we would just be hungry and thirsty for Him. That we would be willing to humble ourselves. That we'd be willing to pray. That we'd be willing to seek His face. And that we would turn from our sin. Dear Heavenly Father, We come to You, God. Lord, and we just thank You for who You are. We thank You for Your promises, God, the many promises that You've given us in Your Word. Lord, and I pray for every single heart here that You would just show us what we stand in need of, God, each and every one of us, God. Whether it's something that we need to repent of, God. Lord, if it's sin in our life, God, help us to hate it. Lord, help us to hate sin as a church. As individuals, God, help us to hate sin. God, help us not to tolerate it. God, Lord, help us to stand for what's right. Lord, I pray that you just put a fire in our hearts. Lord, I pray for revival for this church, God, that we would have a renewed attention to your word. Lord, that something would begin to stir on the inside of us, God. And that we'd be desperate for you, Lord, desperate for a touch. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for each one of us. Help us to love others. Help us to be a light in this dark world. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.